do. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, we'll give them just a minute. Glory to God. We're good? Oh, we're good. All right. They've got it. No, you're, you're good. Yeah, you're good. You got it going. <laughs> Glory to God. If you're joining us online, we got caught up in prayer, so it took us a minute to get things rolling, but we're already ready to roll. So uh, if you're going to join us tonight, grab your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is prayer and healing school. And uh, it was just stirring in my spirit. Well, hold on. We might. The Lord just said, no, hold on. Don't go there. Just hold on. Hold on. Let me look at something. Uh, <laughs> um, let's turn. Hold you, if you're already there, hold your spot in 1 Corinthians 11 because we are going to come back to 1 Corinthians 11. But while we're here, I want you to turn to um, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Um, because we've we got to establish a few things. Ephesians chapter 3. Glory to God. And uh, I want you to look at verse 15. Verse 15. Well, we can read 14 and 15. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Notice it says the whole family. The whole family. He said, verse 14, For this cause I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father God. God is our Father. And he said in verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth. If you are a born-again believer, now you say, well, I'm not sure if I'm born again. How do I know if I'm born again? Well, just take a journey over to uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and it'll tell you that if you will confess the Lord, the Lord Jesus, with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. That's one way for you to know. Another way for you to know is to go over to Romans uh, chapter 12. And it says that, um, in fact, I'll just read it to you. Let me get the exact verse. Uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, says it this way. And... Uh, Well, I said Romans 12. You did. I did say Romans 12, but Romans 12 is not what I want. So hold on and I'll get you there. Hold on. I said Romans 12. Is it not Romans 12? I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> oh, Romans 8. Verse 16. Sorry. Romans 8.16. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, himself would be a much better translation, but the King James says itself, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So if you've got a knowing on the inside, what does this mean? It means if you are born again, you have a knowing that uh, you are a child of God. What does that mean? That means that if I were to ask you, 
you know, Derek, if you went out here and something happened tonight and you died, do you know confidently that you are heaven bound? Derek said, absolutely. No pause, no commas, no. It wasn't, I hope so. It was, no, I know it. And if I asked Derek, Derek, how do you know? He'd say, I just know that I know. I know that I know. It's in my knower. It's in my spirit. See, the Holy, when you're a child of God, it'll, it'll, the Spirit will bear witness with you. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, just a few verses earlier, it says that, uh, that if you walk according to the Spirit, you are a child of God. So if you're, if, you know, if you say, well, you know, I, I follow what the Spirit tells me to do, well, then you're a child of God. And if you, and if you have these things, um, and then, you know, we find, then we can um, know that we are born again. And if we are born again, then we're part of the whole family of God, the whole family of God. Now, I want you to notice here. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now, what does that say? It said the husband is the head of the wife, even as Jesus is, Jesus is using a husband and wife relationship to explain to you, you the believer's relationship with him and with his church. And he said this, he said, uh, he said this, he said, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the uh, savior of the body. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ. See, a lot of people are mis a lot of people don't understand what the body is and what the members are. Uh, we are individual members of the body of Christ. Yep. And when the members come together, like in a service like tonight, then we're assembled. And once we assemble, then that is the body. So the church is the body of Christ. The church is. Well, I thought we're doing prayer and hand school. Oh, we are. Because I'm going to show you something in the Word. Uh, we're actually, what we're going to actually talk about tonight is discerning the Lord's body. Discerning the Lord's body. But if you don't understand what the body is, how can you discern it? Well, what does it mean to discern? It means to judge. That's what it means, to judge the body, to judge. So he said this. He said in verse 23, he said, Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, I want you to turn over to chapter 1 of Ephesians. Of Ephesians. Chapter 1. Verse, uh, let's pick, uh, so he's, he, in, in chapter 1, starting verse 16, Paul is praying a prayer, talking about us coming to know the fullness of Christ. Let's pick up in verse 16, and we'll just read down. 
cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So Christ was given to be the head to the church. Let's look at the next verse. Which is his body, the fullness of him that fulfilleth all in all. So we see right here he said God gave Jesus all the power, all the authority, all the might, all the dominion. He's got all, all of it so that he could be the head of the church and the church which is the body. The church is the body. Now, right here in Ephesians, turn over to... And it also says, it's the fullness of him that fulfilleth all, all in all. all. So the body is, is intended to fulfill the, the work, work of, of God, the work of Christ. Right. Now, since how you're in Ephesians, turn right over to Colossians chapter 1. Let's turn right here to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 18. Again, this is the tail end of Paul's prayer, but we will see a good thing here. And he is the head of the body of the church, who well, is the beginning. Notice he said, it said, talking about Christ, he is the head of the body. Christ is the head of the body, comma, the church. What is the body of Christ? No, well, well, we are. The church. Look at what he says. He, Jesus, is the head of the body, comma, the church. So what is the body of Christ? The church. What is church? I'll give you a very simple definition of church. When you look up church, it means a group of citizens called out of their homes into a public place for assembly. Now, when you take that definition of church, believe it or not, the word church was actually a secular term in Jesus' day. And when they would call to have church, it meant that they were calling to have a public assembly. Rather, it was a governmental assembly or a social assembly or whatever it was, what, whoever was having church would call a set group of people out of their home for them to come together for a set purpose in a public place. So, uh, so when the church was birthed, when Jesus birthed the church, what, what this means is that the Father God calls the citizens of heaven, the born-again believers, the members, he would call them out of their homes, 
into a public place so that they could come together to assemble for the purpose of worship, for the purpose of instruction, for the, for the purpose of coming together as the body. That's what church means. Now, who's the head of the church? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is the head of the church. Yeah, don't point at me. No, <laughs> scripture thing. He's the head of the church, and the church assembled is the body. The, the group of believers assembled makes up the body. Now, the, the word church appears in the New Testament, I believe it's 109 times. In all but, I think, two of the times that church is uh, um, referenced, in every single time it's referenced, it's referenced to the local body of believers. When it's talking about church, it's not talking about church universal. It's talking about a specific group of believers assembled together in a specific place for a specific uh, purpose in that region. So, Disciples House is a group of believers called out of their home by God to go to Disciples House to assemble. And as they assemble, they're to worship they're to be instructed, they're to be corrected, they're to do the work of Christ so that all of so that the work of Christ can be completely fulfilled. They're to grow together as a body. They're to grow together as one. So when people say the church is not a building, now wait a minute. The definition of church literally means to be called out of your home into a public place to assemble for the purpose of meeting together. That's what it means. Most of the time, so can you have church in an open field? Yes. Sure. Can you have church in a tent? Of course. Or an amphitheater. Can you have church in an amphitheater or a coliseum? Of course you can. But the point is, is, is you cannot, here's the deal, you cannot have church in your living room. Because if you're in your living room, you have not been called out of this your home. True. Does that make sense? You have to be called out, and you have to respond to the calling out, and then you have to travel to the place of assembly that the Father has called you to. Now, does that sound... But most people treat church this way. Well, I don't want to be stuck in my house, so I'm going to go... Find me a church that meets my social need. No. Is that what the scripture said? Is that what the definition of church means? No. It means that God calls you out to a specific place of his choosing. Think about it this way. You're at home. You're minding your own business. you got everything going on. You know, you're chilled. You're getting settled down. And all of a sudden, your phone rings. And on the phone, it's a family member. And the family member says, oh, my gosh, I've got a situation. I need you to come and get me. I need you to come and meet me. Um, I, I need your assistance. How much do you know 
you've been called out by your family member for the purpose of giving assistance. That's being called out. Now, what if you get the phone call and they call you out and you go, well, I'm just going to help you from here. Are you being called out? No. 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 Well, you might be being called out, but you're not getting, you're not responding to the calling out. So he said, he that is, he said, it says, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. What does that mean? It means that he might be the first focus. The first thing, the first purpose, the first reason. So he said. So we now see, we now understand that that uh, God is the head. Now I want you to turn to First Corinthians. I said we were going to go to eleven, but look right here at twelve, chapter twelve, first eleven, First Corinthians chapter eleven, chapter. I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter twelve, 12. verse eleven. I don't know where you're going. Twelve. 12. <laughs> I thought about 11 would be good, but no. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now you read this verse and you say, see, it says right here, for as many, um, or, or, as, many as the body is one and hath many members... All are members of one body. See, that's talking about church universal. No, it's not. Because in chapter 12, he's talking about how the gifts of the Spirit flow in a single local church service. He's not talking about the gifts flowing in the church universal. He's talking about the local church. But I want you to notice, he said, for as the body is one. So when we come into the church as individual members, we gather together as one in Christ. See, we all have different backgrounds. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different upbringings. Uh, there's people in here that have been to college. There's people in here that have large degrees, people that have, you know, your basic associate degrees. There's people that have high school diplomas. There's people that don't have high school diplomas. There's people that have served in the military. There's people that have come from a, a background of high finance. There's, a pe there's people in here that come from a background of poverty. There's people from all kinds of backgrounds. There's people that have come from broken homes. There's people that come from homes that have never been broken. But so even though we are in this massive diversity, we've got people with different, with different complexions of skin. You know, I'm, I'm about as papaya as it comes. Jackie is very olive-toned. Brother Derek is very caramel-toned, you know. Uh, huh? Oh, he's toast. I'm sorry. He's toasted caramel. Sorry. Uh, how much, you know, we all are all different, but yet when we come together, when we're called together as one, then our differences fade away because we all love Jesus. We all have been born again. We've all had our sins washed away. We all are brand new creatures in Christ. 
We are all now creations of love. We are all now born again like Jesus was born again. We are all now citizens of heaven. Now, we don't, our differences no longer separate us. Our differences, in, because we have these differences, but yet we're one in Christ. Because of those differences, we're able to have compassion one for another. If somebody comes in with a background similar to ours, we can help them. We can relate to them where somebody else may not be able to. <clears throat> I have dealt with sickness my entire life, but thank God I now walk in divine health. But so when somebody comes in that they're like, oh, I'm sick all the time. I've been sick since a child. I can relate to that. I can, I can say, honey, I, I get where you're at, but here's the deal. There's good news. You don't have to live that way anymore. Somebody may come in and say, man, I've been healthy all the days of my life. I've never experienced sickness until now. Well, I don't know what that's like. I mean, I don't. So I can't have compassion for them the way that maybe, say, Zach could have compassion for them. Because they're facing something that they've never faced before, and I'm like, it's sickness. What, like, what's your point? It's no big deal. It's no big deal. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not going to kill you. Keep moving. And they're like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. But see, because we have separation. You know, somebody can come in and say, man, I've had finances all the days of my life, but I just hit bankruptcy, and I don't know how to function. Those of us that have had to learn how to be thrifty, we can go, it's okay, honey. We can, we can teach you how to manage and how to do things, but then we can also get you into the prosperity of Christ. We can also get you over into this thing. See, because we can come at each other from diff- because of our different backgrounds, we can help to have compassion and relate to one another. And we can do it because we all love Jesus. So he said here in... in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he said, for as the body is one, when we come together in Christ, we're one. We're one and hath many members. How much do you know your, your shoulder is not going to understand why your toe is screaming when you stubbed your toe? Because your shoulder is never going to experience that type of injury. But the toe next to it, it gets it. It gets it. It understands. Oh, big toe, I'm so sorry you got rammed into that dresser corner like that. I have been stubbed like that, and it's extremely painful. But let me tell you, it's going to be okay. You know, sometimes you'll even tape your toes together so the one toe can support the other toe. Yeah, that's what the body of Christ is like. The members come together. They support each other. They help each other to function the way they're supposed to function. Amen. And all of the members of that one body. So even though we come from all these different walks, when we come together, we come together as one. I loved it today. We were, we were uh, having our fellowship today, and some of our church people were talking and I was listening to one of them, and uh, she was talking to another church member, and this is what she said. She said, honestly, she said, my church family knows me better than my actual natural family. And she said this. She said, I have total confidence talking to another church member. If I had need of you, I could call. I have no doubt in my mind. I could call you and say, I need you, and you would say, is 10, ten minutes too soon? Like, Johnny on the spot, there you are. 
And the person agreed, yeah, I'd be right there. She said, my family doesn't operate that way. Why? Because the church is one body. How much do you know? If you've got a busted knee, the rest of your body, your hips, your knees, the rest of your body picks up the slack and helps to get your knee where your knee needs to go. That's what a body does. And that's what this is talking about. Verse 13 says this. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all or have been all made to drink into one spirit. Glory to God. Verse 14. Let's for, go ahead and read it. For the body is not one member, but many. See, the body is not made up of just one. How much do you know? Your body is not made up of just one big toe. Can you imagine what that would look like? Just a big toe going through life. He'd be running into stuff. He'd be tripping over. I mean, just, I'm nothing but a toe. I'm not even sure how the toe would walk around. I guess it would just bounce, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but can you imagine that? No. No. You have to have all of the members together. So when you, you know, and I understand, if you're, on, if you're online, if you listen to us regularly online and you say, I understand what you're saying, but I just don't have the ability to get in the building because of some type of homebound situation, you know what, that's okay. Reach out to us and we can be your body from a distance because there are occasions where there's a legitimate, you can't, you can't connect to the body on a regular basis. But if, you, if that's not your situation, you need to assemble. Because until you assemble, you are not part of the church. And you need to assemble. You need to do this. And it goes down through here, and it says, for the sake of time, I want you to notice verse 18. But now hath God set, a mem set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. How, do you, how, how, how does somebody get into a church? God sets them there. Now, we as humans, we like to pick our own churches. But then you're out of line with God. Uh, we, uh, we were living in Charlotte, and, and I sat on my bed, and I cried, and I told God, I said, God, I just want to come home. In my mind, I was thinking natural. But in my spirit, my spirit was crying out to God, and God said, I want you to go over there. So I went to the church in my mind to prove that my mom was in a cult. But when I got there, I heard a voice that spoke into my spirit man and challenged me on a level that I had never been challenged. And there was something about that voice that just resonated on the inside of me. What was that? That was the voice of my pastor. See, even though I was living in, he and I were living in Charlotte, our pastor, our church, our home was here in Murphy. But we had left because we wanted to do our own thing. We were in Murphy beforehand. We left. We can actually look back at our life and we can say, if we knew how to follow the Spirit, we would have never left Murphy. We would have never gone. We would have gone to that church and our life would have been very different. God had to do a very quick work to make up 12 years because we were behind God's plan. But God set us in the church. And notice it says, as it pleases him. Yep. Well, what does this have to do with healing? I'm going to teach you what it has to do with healing. Go to chapter 11. 
Go to chapter 11. Right here, shouldn't Finally. have to even turn your page. <laughs> chapter 11. Now, he, Jesus is talking about a lot of things. There's a lot of good things in this chapter. But I want to pick up in um, verse 18. I want to pick up in verse 18. Now, you're going to say, well, this is the communion scriptures. Yep. Because you know what communion means? It means to fellowship one with another. And we're going to see something about heal, health and healing as we read this. All right. So starting in verse 18, let's read a while. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in, ev for in eating, every one taketh before the other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Oh, my goodness. Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now, let's go back and let's look at a few things. Let's understand a few things. He's talking to the church at Corinth, or Corinth, Corinth, and here in this church, they have Romans, they have Greeks, they have Jews, they have Gentiles, they have people from all different walks. And, and in this church, they had a lot of people that were born again that had been pagan worshipers before they came into Christ. And one of the ways that the pagans worshipped their gods were with drunken feasts. They would gather together, they would bring together these big meals and all of this alcohol, and they would eat and they would eat to the point of gluttony, they would drink to the point of drunkenness, and, and they would get into all manner of debauchery, doing things that, that the pagan gods wanted them to do with their physical body. And because this is what they came out of, and then they found out that, that Jesus said, take of the bread and take of the wine, they thought that communion with what we call communion today was supposed to be along the same lines as their pagan worship. Oh, big dinner? Uh, a, a gluttonous dinner. You know, uh, a, basically they thought it was supposed to be a giant social hour. And a lot of people today, this is a big problem in the church today, a lot of people today will pick their church based on their social programs. But look at what the Holy Spirit had Paul say. He said, first of all, when you come together in the, where? Church. In the church. Well, he said, first of all, when you come together in the church, that sure does sound like there's a building involved. Doesn't it? He said, because you're coming in the church. He said, first of all, when you come in, when you come together in the church, when the members assemble the body in the building, 
in the building. Now, now the building doesn't make up the church. The members in the building make up the church. But there's still a building required uh, for the most part. Or at least suggested. Uh, he said, I hear, check this out. He said, first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you. In other words, the body parts are fussing and complaining with each other. The right foot's telling the left foot, no, no, I want to go over there. The right foot says, come on, I want to go right. The left foot says, no, I want to go left. And you're out here like this. You're divided. You know, there's a... they want the purple chairs. They want the green chairs. They want the chairs. They want the, the pews. Division. I don't want to sit next to Sally. She doesn't, she wears a cologne that I don't, a perfume I don't like. Well, I don't like John. He sweats too much. Well, I don't like, I don't like, uh, Alex. He, he whistles when he breathes. Well, dear Lord, don't put me next to Susie. She sings so off-key. It just, I mean, it could break glass. What is that? Division. (laughs) You know, and and this was, remember, this was the Corinthian church, and and up to the point of Jesus, I'm not sitting over there next to that Jew. I'm not sitting next to that Samaritan. I'm not getting over there next to that barbarian. They were looking at their differences. I'm not sitting next to that publican or that tax collector. You want me to get near that tax collector? They'll think that I'm favoring the tax collector and they'll shun me. They were looking at their differences and it was causing division. He said, he said, first of all, he said, I, and notice he said, I hear there are divisions among you. And then look at what Paul said, because he's writing this letter. He said, I partly believe it. He said, I partly believe it. Now, Paul understood. See, I just made a great case a few minutes ago about how though we're different, we're all one in Christ. And Paul had been to this church, and Paul had taught this church, you're one in Christ. There's no difference amongst you. In fact, earlier in the letter, he said, Look at verse 11. He said, neither, neither the less, or nevertheless, neither is there man without a woman, neither a woman without a man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, so even is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. He basically said, God's no respecter of persons. He said, you can't, he said, a man can't come into the earth without a woman, and a woman can't bring a man child into the earth without a man. He said, we're all one and the same. So he had been there, and he said, I've taught you that there's not to be a division amongst us, but yet I hear rumors that you're divided. He said, and actually, I partially believe it. You know, once, you go, you know, once somebody gets a revelation that they're not supposed to be divided, you'd think they hold on to it, but apparently they didn't. He said, I partially believe it. He was kind of using a little sarcasm is what he was doing. He said, for there must be also, look at what he said. In order, check this out, and here's why he said, I partially believe it. For there must, for there must be also heresies among you. 
in order for there to be division in the church, the people in the church have to be heretics. In other words, they have to be saying, oh, I believe in God and I'm with God and I'm for God and I love God, but yet they're living a different doctrine. Because in Christ, there is no division. So he said, if, there, if this division is true, then there's heretics in you. There's sinners in and amongst you. you. How much do you know? Because Why? Because Jesus commanded that we love one another. And so if you're divided and you're arguing and you're fussing and you're fighting and hatred has gotten into the church, then Satan has got into the church. And he said, there's sin amongst you. He, and then he said, and then not only did he call out those that are sinning, but look at what he said. That they which are approved may be manifest among you. In other words, not only were there people sinning in the church, but there were people in the church that weren't sinning, but they were approving of their sin because they were allowing the sin to remain. Yep. They were allowing the sin to remain. You mean I can't come into the church and, 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 and continue to be a sinner? If your sin disrupts the harmony of the church, you're not there because of love. You're not there because of love. I have told people, if you have a sin problem in your life that you are working to overcome, that's fine. Come on into the church. Hear the word. Be corrected. Let the word correct you. I don't have a problem with that. But if you bring your filth in your sin into this church and you, ex and you expect the church to embrace your sin and sin with you, we ain't having that. Look at what he said. He said, for there must be also heresies among you that they which approve. That means people in the church had to say, well, we know that you're a sinner, but it's okay. You go ahead and be in the church and sin right along, and just, just sin right in the congregation. What does that look like? Well, you're, you come into the church, and you're standing over in the corner, and you're gossiping about Sally. And the other little hens and roosters are over there gossiping about Sally with you. And though you're not taking part in the gossip, you go, oh, they're over there gossiping. I'm going to go over here. You approved. The pastor approved. I tell you what, y'all wonder why I interject right into the middle of your conversation sometimes? Because I'm stopping the behavior. Because the behavior is not of God. I'm not approving. Why? Because if I approve, then I'm just as bad as the heretic. And Paul, so Paul said this, Paul said, if there's division in the church, not only, there's, there, there's only one reason for division to be in the church. The only reason there's division in the church is because some people are in sin and the rest of the church is okay with it. That's the only reason for there to be sin in the church. Because if somebody's strifing, let's say we're getting ready to get new chairs, which I believe we'll have new chairs this year. I'm believing for the finances, for the brand new chairs this year. I'm believing for it. And I said, and, 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 and Derek comes to me, and Derek says, Pastor, you said you're getting new chairs. What kind of chairs are you getting? And I said, Derek, 
I'm going to get pretty blue chairs with nice gold frames. They're going to be gorgeous. And Derek goes, blue chairs. I don't want no blue chairs. Zach, Zach, are you believing that pastor's getting blue chairs? What is wrong with that pastor getting blue chairs? Don't you like the red chairs better? Don't you think we ought to get up a committee and go to the pastor and tell the pastor, you need to get red chairs? You know what? You know what this pastor's going to tell you? Uh, you need to go take it up with Jesus because Jesus said get the blue chairs with the gold trim. But I'm giving you an example. I'm giving you an example. He said, I like blue. <laughs> Zach said, blue's fine with me. <laughs> Zach says, I'll blend right in. Yeah, Zach's all dressed <laughs> in blue. He's like, I think I'm good with the blue. No, he said, he said, this is why he believed. He said, you have a proof. He, 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 read verse 19. Verse 19, okay. Yeah. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Glory to God. He said, in order for this strife to be manifested, you have to be approving of the wrong behavior. Glory to God. Verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. He said, he said, he said, when you come together in one place, it's not for you to have a buffet. That's not what this is about. See, because remember when Jesus, remember when, when Jesus gave the command to break the bread and drink the wine, remember they were at the Passover feast, mm -hmm. which meant that their table was full of food. They had the lamb and all the sides and the mint jelly and all that good stuff. You know, the table was full. And he said, listen, he said, when you're coming together, you're not coming together to eat the gospel bird. That's not what you're coming together for. You're coming together for the purpose of worship. You're coming together for the purpose of communion. You're coming together for the purpose of fellowship he said you're not coming paul said listen you're not coming to have a fleshy feast now don't get me wrong we enjoy fellowships we had a fellowship today and we ate good i mean we did we had all kinds of good food we had healthy food we had not so healthy food and we had a lot of it and we enjoyed it but we enjoyed it after the preaching of the word and it's not our weekly habit and it wasn't the communion so let's keep reading. Okay. For in eating every one taketh uh, for in eating every one taketh before his uh, other his own. Just take the other out of yeah, the Yeah, no, it's sense. getting it's very confusing. I'm going to take the italicized out. For in every one taketh before For in eating. Oh, is that not italicized? No, for in eating. All right. For in eating every one taketh before his own supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. Hmm. So what was happening, and I've seen this in church fellowships. I have absolutely seen this in church fellowships. They all rush to the lunch. They get to the line. You gotta honor. You gotta honor the you know honor the deacons and the elders and this and that and get the elder you know and and you know you get the who's who in there first and they get the plates and they pile the plates up real big and high. And, man, they've got it going on because they don't want to miss any of the good stuff. And it's good to give honor where honors due. But then you people at the end of the line, 
they're coming through. And the gospel bird is gone. The shrimp is gone. The fish is gone. There's a few little morsels of meat left. There's a, there ain't nothing left but the six, the six crock pots of green beans. You know, all the deviled eggs are gone. You know, all that stuff that everybody, all the mac and cheese and the, the you know, the yummy baked, uh, the mashed potatoes with all the cheese and all that. You know, the really top of the stuff that everybody really likes. Man, it's all been wiped out. And here there are the people in the end of the line. They're getting just enough to put a meal in their tummy. Just enough. Yeah, yeah. They're getting, they're getting, they're getting the, they're getting the heel of the bread. They're getting the, they're getting that, they're getting the end of the fish. You know where it's mostly thin. You know maybe they're getting the head. <laughs> you know they're not getting much. And that's what he said. He said, listen. He said, when you're coming from the for the meal. The one, some of y'all are overloading and gluttonous, and other ones are going hungry. Some of y'all are getting drunk, and some of y'all are going thirsty. He said, you're coming together for the wrong reasons. He said, no, we're not doing that. What does this have to do with healing? Hold on. 22? Yep. All right. What have, what? Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and not shame them that have not? Look at what he said. He said, do you despise the church of God? You're coming in. You're coming in going, bless God, we're having a church meal, and I'm going to get in line, and I'm getting all the good stuff. He said, do you despise the church? What makes up the church? The members. If you aren't treating the rest of your members, can you imagine... Can you, it, uh, you know, when I think about this, I think, can you imagine if we had Lego bodies? If we had Lego bodies and we could say, well, that arm, you don't need this meal. Click and set your arm aside. Leg, you don't need this meal. Click. I'm going to set that aside. Uh, big toe, you don't need this meal. I'm going to click set that aside. Then I'm going to eat, 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 and, and get real big and full and fluffy. And then I'm going to take my skinny little chicken toe and my skinny little chicken leg and my skinny little chicken arm and I'm going to cook it all back on me and I'm going to be like, okay, I'm ready to go. How much do you know you ain't going to function in life very well that way? But yet, this is how we treat our fellow members in our church. And, he, and so he said, when you go up to the, when you go, when you guys come together for these meals, all you're thinking about is yourself. You're not thinking about the rest of the members. He said, honestly, people, he said, it's not about the food. It's about the fellowship. He said, it's not about the food. He said, don't you have a house that you can eat in? He said, don't you have a house that you can eat in? But so many people come to the church going, what can the church do for me? No, we've got a wonderful church. We've got an incredible, and I'm not just saying this. You know, sometimes, uh, let, me, let, let me let you in on a little pastoral secret. Sometimes the pastor will say something along the lines of, we've got a wonderful church full of hard workers. It's a good confession. <laughs> and really what he's saying is, y'all a bunch of slack, lazy people that I can't get no help from. That's really what they're saying. Not here. But in here, <laughs> so when I say we actually honestly have a truly good body of believers, our believers, our, our people, when they come in, when we're doing... We're doing some type of work. We're doing some type of fellowship. You guys come in and you're like, Pastor, what can we do? 
Pastor, what can we do? Pastor, what do you? And I mean, you guys are so quick and so on it that I'm like, before I even get to say anything, you've got it done. And then at the end of a meal, or like today, we had ended a meal, and I mean, I'm just sitting down, and I'm just getting relaxed, and I'm just getting comfortable, and the whole congregation is up, they're clearing tables, they're putting out trash, they're washing, di- I mean, and everybody's taking part. So when I say this, I, I, I'm not being sly in any, in any way, shape, or form, but in a lot of churches, it's not that way. In a lot of churches, they're like, well... I came, I ate, I conquered. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, we're the dishwashers washing. They're, they, I mean, for years, Pastor Mike, myself, and Miss Ann were the first people to the church. I and mean, we had cleaned the church that week. We had set up the tables. We got everything just like the pastor wanted it. We were the first ones there. We helped unload cars. We helped set out the food. We helped everything get done. Everybody went through. We'd go through. We were like, all right, well, I guess I'm not eating much. Okay. And eat some. And then everybody would go, and they'd all leave. And they'd leave behind their food. They'd leave behind. I mean, they would. They'd say, uh, we'd say, are you going to take your leftovers? Oh, no, we don't need that. You can have it. And they'd leave it sitting on the table. But it's in your crock pot. Oh, I'll get my crock pot next time I'm at church. I'll pick it up. I know it'll be clean. This type of behavior goes on. This type of behavior goes on. And so Pastor Mike, myself, and Miss Ann, we'd be there putting all the food away, throwing stuff out, packing food up, finding people to send food to. I mean, cleaning people's crock pots, cleaning people's crock pots, washing the dishes. I mean, taking out the trash, everything. We were the first ones there and the last ones to leave. I truly believe that because we sowed those seeds is why y'all are so wonderful. Um, Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, that we have a wonderful congregation. But this is what he's talking about when he says, uh, Do you not have a house that you can eat and drink in? Uh, Do you despise the church of God? See, when you don't think about the body of the church, when you don't think about the body of Christ, you're despising the church. And I'm telling you, when we had been, when it was 4 o'clock, I mean, church, you get to church at 8, 8.30 in the morning, and you don't leave till 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, and everybody else left around 12.30, everybody else left around 1.30, I'm telling you, you left the church discouraged and feeling despised. I'm telling you, you did. What does this have to do with healing? I'm getting there. I promise we're getting there. I promise. He said, he said, or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not. I've witnessed this. I've witnessed this. Boy, why are you getting that plate so big? You didn't even bring anything to share. Why are you getting all that food? Why do you think he's getting all that food? Because he ain't got nothing at home. Let him eat. Put him at the front of the line. I've witnessed it. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? He said, I praise you not. He said, I'm not lifting you up for this. Oh, oh, oh. And then he goes on and he teaches them how to take communion properly. Let's read. Okay. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, 
that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Now, see, Jesus didn't take an entire loaf and said, I'm taking this whole loaf for me and you don't get any. He took a little piece of bread and he broke it off. He took a little sip of, of juice and drank it. He said, when you have this little bit of bread, when you have this little bit of juice, when you have this cracker, when you have this juice, he said, remember what I sacrificed for you. Remember that my body is broken for you. And at this point, his body, at this point, because we're in Corinthians, it had. But when Jesus originally did it, his body had not yet been broken. So the disciples were like, what do you mean your body's broken for me? Well, I tell you what. That next day, they learned real quick what it meant for his body to be broken. You know, because he left there, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they came and got him in that garden. It all happened within a 24-hour period. And all of a sudden, the reality of, oh, this is what he meant, hit them. Let's keep reading. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye, shall, ye, ye do show the Lord's death. Till he come. He said, when you sit down and when you get humble and when you take that bread and you say, Father, just like I break this bread, just like I tear this bread. You ever go over here to Zaxby's and get a meal? You ever notice they always give you a piece of Texas toast with it? Every time I get that Texas toast, and honestly, most time I don't eat it, but I, I might take a bite out of the center or something. And, and because I like the center of it, I always rip it. And every time I rip that bread, my spirit goes, that's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for you. See, that's what he's talking. He's not talking about being gluttonous. He's talking about taking that time, taking that moment to have fellowship with the Father and, and, and the Lord Jesus and remembering what he did. Jesus did not have to go to the cross. He chose to. You don't have to work. You don't have to put the other person in the church ahead of you, but you should. You should. You should. You know. Um, and when he took the drink, he said, "This is my blood." You know, I like to drink juice. I like cranberry juice a lot. Every time I pour me some type of juice, I think, "That's my Lord right there." That's my Lord. So you can take this type of communion. You don't have to wait on the church to do it. Let's keep going. Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of, of the Lord. Notice what it says. He said, if you'll take of the bread and you'll take of the drink, unworthily you are guilty of the body if you mistreat your church members you mistreat the body of christ because the body of christ because the members of the church make up the body 
And so when you don't, and this is what Paul was teaching here, he said, when you treat other church members, your, your fellow church members, the way you're treating them, you are not taking care of Christ's body. You're not. You know, a lot of times, and I'm just using this as an example to help you understand, a lot of times when we have fellowships or stuff like that, people are very quick to say, pastors, y'all go ahead, because they're trying to show honor. And we do appreciate that. But most of the time, Pastor Mike and I will purposely make ourselves scarce so that we can prefer the body of Christ. Prefer the body. Go ahead and take care of the body. Why? Because we understand that how we take care of the church people shows how we love God. And that's, well, you're the pastor. That's the way you should be. No, that's the way you should be no matter who you are in the church. And I can say that for our congregation. Our congregation's good. There's like, a, there's like a fight at the front of the line. No, brother, you go ahead. No, sister, you go ahead. Come on, it's okay, you go ahead. And I'm like, somebody just go. <laughs> somebody, dear Lord, somebody just go. Come well, on, eat the food. Well, Come on. I'll say it. I, I was hungry today, so I, I, took, I took one for the team. He did. He did. <laughs> Dr. Mike said, we busted in the pulpit. I'm a-going. But that's the way it should be. I did feel guilty about it, though. <laughs> that's the way it should be. But I can say this for my husband. He was at the front of the line. He had one nice, regular plate of food. I was at the end of the line. I showed up with two plates. <laughs> I showed up with two plates. <laughs> they, were, they were nice plates, but they weren't like heaped plates. <laughs> Come on. But, it, but do you understand, this is not about the food. This is the example he's giving. But how much do you know? It's also about where you sit in the church. People are like, that's my seat. I have gone into churches, and I have gone to sit down, and somebody's walked up to me and say, they say, Excuse me, you're in my seat. That's not walking in love, but neither were they. Uh, oh, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Let me let me get up. Let me move. Yeah, that's my seat. Well, okay. That's my spot at the altar. I thought the altar was open to everybody, but okay. How early you got to get here to get a a, a seat that's comfortable to you, you know? No, come on. Come on. How much you know? Are you kidding me? I got to sit behind Big John? I can't see past Big John. I'm short. (laughs) You know, Big John might need to say, you know, I really really like to be up close to to the anointing. But I understand that I'm kind of a bigger fellow. Uh, is it? Or, or, am I blocking you sitting here? You know, sometimes it's preferring one another. Sometimes, you know, here's the deal. Somebody in the church will have a need. We're talking about healing. Somebody in the church will have a financial need, but you might have a financial need. But the Lord might lay it upon the congregation or the pastor's heart to take care of a Billy. And you're thinking... Every time I turn around, the Lord's taking care of Billy. I'm over here barely getting by. I'm buying groceries on my credit card. Lord, where are you at? Well, maybe if you'd humble yourself, the Lord would take care of you. The son, the body. 
You know, maybe you don't understand that Billy's coming up and not just cleaning the church, but he's scrubbing the baseboards. Maybe you need to understand that Billy's doing the garden out front. Maybe you need to understand that Billy's in the Word and he's up half the night praying and seeking the Father's face while you're sitting there grumbling and complaining that there ain't nobody helping you. Maybe Billy's praying and lifting you up. Father, supernaturally take care of him. But you're so busy being full of anger towards Billy that the Lord can't bless you even though Billy's praying for you. You were supposed to... I was supposed to say something to that? Okay. <laughs> Open it a little. <laughs> no, I thought it hit right on. <laughs> Verse 27, wherefore, whosoever, Pastor, I thought we was talking healing. We are. Okay. (laughs) Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of the bread and drink of the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of Christ. What does that mean? It means you're guilty of crucifying him. You're guilty of putting that staff in his side. You're guilty of whipping him with the whip. You're guilty of pulling his beard out by its, just, just by the fistfuls. You're guilty of spitting loogies in his face. That's what it means. That's what it means. I mean, it just, it just, that's what it means. Let's keep going. All right. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. No, wait a minute. You missed verse 28 and 29. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Okay. Maybe I did. <laughs> yes, you did. I assure you. All right. You were, you were, you were trying to get to the punchline. Uh, well, okay. 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, that's where I thought you were, right. eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. When you do not treat the body of Christ correctly, you, you bring damnation upon yourself. Now, we've got, talked about in the church. Let's talk about uh, uh, not discerning the church outside of the church. Well, all them churches want is your money. You're not discerning the work of Christ because the word tells you to be a tither and a giver. It's not about, it's not, yes. Uh, Are there ministers that mistreat the funds that the people give? Yes. But you know what? Every business on the planet has people that misuses funds. I'm not making an excuse. I'm telling you that's the reality of the world. But that's that's not the majority of the ministers. The majority of the ministers are very, very careful about what they do with the money that people tithe and give. Because if they're not very, very careful, they bring damnation upon themselves. Well, that pastor, they're just trying to control. Those those ministers, they just want to control people. No, honey. They're trying to save your life. They're not trying to 
Well, that minister just, they, they happen to know my business, and they're just talking about my business from the pulpit. Sure, there's probably some ministers that do that, but ones that are anointed, appointed, and called, and ordained by God, honestly, truth be told, I don't want to talk about what you're dealing with, because I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, but the Spirit of God moves upon me, and I'm like, because I've been practicing for 20 years to obey His voice, I'm like, okay, Lord, here we go. And if you'll pay attention, I'm like, mm. All right, here we go. Because I don't want to bring it up. But the Lord said, are you going to deal with it or not? And if I don't deal with it, if he doesn't deal with it, then we aren't discerning the body. And then we are unworthy and we bring damnation upon ourselves. I just don't need that church. I don't need a church. Well, if you say, I don't need the church, you're saying, I don't need Jesus because Jesus is the head of the church. Think about that. I don't need a church. Is the same thing as saying I don't need Jesus because Jesus is the head of the church. Come on. Don't shout me down real good online. Come on, don't shout me down. Come on. Well, I don't I don't I don't agree with the church. The church isn't a building. I'm the church. No, you're not. You're a member of the church and you're only a member of the church if you show up. Because the church is assembled. That's right. They take the temple of God. He, he just said it. They take the temple of God out of context. But at the same time, so we've been talking about the church, but now let's talk about the temple of God. Let's talk about it. You cannot feed your body full of junk food and expect your body to be healthy. You cannot be gluttonous and expect your body to be healthy. Well, you're an overweight pastor. Yes, I am. But I'm working on it, and it's been a, it, there's actually a medical reason for the weight that I have. And I work with my doctor, and I am not gluttonous. You can come live with me, and you'll see that that's so. Be careful who you judge and how you judge them. Be careful about it. Be careful about it. Be careful about it. You can't, you can't smoke and drink and vape and huff and puff and put all kinds of poison in your body and then go, well, Jesus, why won't you heal me? Because you're not discerning your flesh. You're not discerning your temple. Yes, there is a truth that our physical bodies are the house of the Holy Ghost, and we have an obligation to keep them as healthy as possible. And yes, he does say that, that one of the signs that will follow his, his disciples is that it, if they eat or drink anything that's deadly to them, it won't harm them. It doesn't say when or as much as they would like. It says if. if which means that you have an obligation to eat properly and correctly. You have, a, you have an obligation to exercise your body. You have an obligation to take care of your body. You have an obligation to not put poison in your body. So he said, he, notice what he said. He said, if you're eating and drinking unworthily, you drink, eateth and drink his damnation to yourself. Listen, if we're not discerning how we're treating both the physical body and the church of the living God, maybe you treat everybody in your church really good. You treat your pastors good. You teach everybody in your church really good. But then you talk bad about the church down the road. That's not discerning the body because that church is as much the body of Christ as your church is. You better watch how you talk about these other churches. 
You better watch how you talk about them. No, not every church is right, but you need to if there if you know there's some things in that church that's not right, you need to pray for that church. Pray that they get a revelation. Pray that they get it right. Pray that they get wisdom. Pray that the sheep aren't scattered when it blows up. Pray for them. Discern the body. And yes, the the body is the temple of the Lord, right? Your body is the temple of the Lord because he lives inside of you, right? Well, it's not your temple, though. It's it's his. Okay. Now, thinking that, thinking of Jesus living on the inside of you, if somebody came along to your house and dumped a pile of trash in your house and and poured sewage all in your house and graffitied the walls and started playing this loud screamo music at a thousand decibels, would you want to live there anymore? It's not your house, though. It's the Lord's house. Your physical body is as much the Lord's as the phys- as the physical church building. You need to understand that. The Lord Jesus has two houses that you need to be concerned with. You need to be concerned with your physical body. Like you said, are you going to cover it in graffiti? Like you said, are you going to are you going to are you going to listen to things of demons and 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 things so loudly that you cause physical damage to your hearing? Are you going to pour toxic waste and dump and trash into your physical body it's not your house it's not your house he bought your physical house with his body we have an obligation to take care of this physical house because it belongs to the lord we have an obligation to take care of this physical building because he's the one that makes us able to have it He's the one that called us here. He's the one that placed us here. Now, if you're listening online, say, well, if this community already had 300 churches, you didn't need to have another church here. It was supernatural how God did it, and we did not start another church. We, we, we did what the Lord said. The Lord had placed a ministry here 35 years prior. And because of some things that had occurred in that ministry, they got out of the will of God, and God had to lift the anointing, and God had to lift the candlestick, and God had to remove himself from that ministry. And in in that situation, but God said this. He said, my people still need what I placed there 35 years ago. So now you're going to close that, and you're going to open it, and you're going to do it right. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. Going back to the, 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 the whose house is it? It's Jesus' house. He lives there, right? You also have to do upkeep on the house. That's right. You know, just living in a house, it's going to get dirty. Yeah. I mean, even if you're a fairly clean person, it's going to get dusty. There's things are going to, something's going to get spilled. There's something got spilled over there. I tried mopping it up. It didn't come up. But we'll get it. <laughs> but we'll get it. Uh, and you got to do upkeep. You know, things get get worn, things get used. You know, you got to repair things, you got to paint things, you got to do things from time to time. This is the same thing with our bodies. You know, right. only this is the temple of the Lord, so we have to we have to do things to keep it up. Mm-hmm. We have to read our word, we have to pray, we have to fellowship with the Lord. We we have to seek Him. We have we have to 
we have to from time to time go go in there and and clean out the the stuff that's just accumulated that probably doesn't need to be there. That's right. It, it's if you do these things, then verse thirty won't come to pass. Exactly. Healing prayer and healing school. For this cause, many weak and sick, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Many, many, many people, because they allow sin to follow them into the church of God, and they allow sin into their life, become weak and sickly, and they even die. The, the Lord calls it sleep because you don't actually, the real, the real you goes on for eternity, only but your, your physical your body dies. dies, goes to sleep. He said many are weak, many are sickly, and many even die before their time, prematurely is what he's talking about, because they will not discern the Lord's body. They sin in the church. They bring their sin into the church. They approve of sin in the church. They mistreat people in the church. And they mistreat and they sin in their body. For time, we don't, we don't have a lot of time, but I want to give you another place in this. Let's go to um, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Now here, you can go back to verse 1, but we're not going to do that. This is where the man had um, been infirmed. He had been sick, and uh, he was there at the pool of Bethesda, which the pool of Bethesda, we've come to know and learn and understand that the pool of Bethesda was actually uh, one, of the, one of the healing houses of the Greek gods, the pagan gods. And this Jew was there, and he was waiting for the water to be troubled so that maybe he could get healed. And other than that, we don't know much about him. Uh, but Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda and, and, and inquired if he, would want, if he desired to be healed. And, and the man said, yeah, I want to be healed. And, and, and Jesus said, well, arise. In verse 8, he said, he said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And the man, full of faith, got up by faith, took his bed, and he walked. Well, the Jews came in, and Jesus kind of disappeared. And then Jesus later came and found the man uh, there in the Jewish temple because he had to take himself to the priest so that he could join society again. And in verse 14, Jesus said this. He said, Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more lest a worse thing come unto thee. Now, see, we tend to say this. We tend to think of those words having to do with somebody that's been freed of a demon, um, obsession, oppression, or possession. Oh, my gosh, you had demons. You better never sin again. Or worse, that demon's going to come back. He's going to bring seven of his friends, and a worse thing's going to come upon you. This man didn't have a demon problem. This man had a sickness problem. He had an infirmity problem. It doesn't say that Jesus kicked out the devil. All, it said, all that it said was Jesus said, Arise, take up your bed and walk. And the man got up and walked. didn't say anything about a demon being cast out. But yet Jesus said to him, 
Behold, thou art made whole. He said, in other words, he said, you're not infirm anymore. You've been made whole. Then he said, then Jesus said, sin no more. Or a worst sickness will come upon thee. A worse sickness. Many times people receive a healing from the Lord and they go, I'm healed. And they go right back to sinful living. And before they know it, they're sicker than they were before they got healed. Why? Because they did not discern what the Lord did for them. One way to get healed is to get sin out of your life. That man said, he said, Lord, yeah, I desire. I mean, he's laying there. He's infirm. Other than maybe, other than maybe the sin of gossip, uh, what could, I mean, there's not a whole lot of sin he can get into because he's laying there. Can't move. I mean, he's trying. And, and I, I mean, I know of a lot of testimonies where people have said, man, I had cancer and I was laying in the hospital. And I told the Lord, Lord, if you'll heal me, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Lord, if you'll heal me, I'll go to so-and-so's church, and I'll never go out of that church ever. Lord, if you'll heal me, I'll do this, and I'll do that. And the Lord heals them not because of the promise that they make, but because of the goodness of God, because of his mercy, because of his grace, because of their faith. He heals them, and before you know it, they, they ain't go, they're not in the church anymore. Or they went to that church so that church until that pastor corrected them, then they got offended and left, or whatever. Whatever, and before you know it, the, the same person. Oh, you find out later. Oh, man, that cancer came back on them. And let me tell you what, that cancer came back with vengeance. I mean, they got the report they had cancer in a matter of weeks. They were dead. Why? They didn't discern the Lord's body. They didn't discern it. One of the ways that you can lose healing is through sin and not discerning the body. One way that you can obtain healing is to repent, to judge yourself, to make the change, to stop doing whatever sin you're doing, to change the direction and let the Lord heal you. And then how you can maintain your healing is stay out of sin, continually discerning the body. Continually discerning. Well, what if I make a, What if I'm just having a rough day and I make a mistake and I step out of love with somebody? Repent. Repent immediately. Repent to the person immediately if you have the opportunity, and get right back in order with God before sickness has a chance to come. Before sickness has a chance to grab a hold of you. No, no, no. He said many are weak. Many are sickly. And many die prematurely because they won't discern the Lord's body. What's the, what's the answer for weakness, sickness, and death? Discerning the Lord's body. Right? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It took us a while to get there, but we got there. It took us a little while to get there, but we got there. Glory to God. You can see this also in uh, chapter 8, verse 11. John, John, John eight eleven. You can see this here. Uh, this is where the woman was caught in the midst of adultery. 
I mean, she was caught right in the midst of adultery. The indication is that she was a prostitute. A common thing with prostitutes is STDs. They probably didn't explain it that way, but sickness and disease. But they brought this this adulterer to her, to him, and he said, uh, "Where are your accusers?" Because he because he called him out. He said he because they were like she should be stoned. He said he without any sin can throw the first stone, and they all left. But look at what he said to the woman again. Not again. Not a demon situation. Look at what Jesus tells her. She said, no, man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Best way to eradicate sickness and disease is to eradicate sin from your life. That's the best way. The closer you walk with God, the closer you walk in, clean, in cleanliness, the less sickness and disease you'll have to face in your life. Glory to God. Well, it took us a little while to get there, but we made it. And we do see the importance of discerning the Lord's body. And, and that it's not just about this physical body, but it's also how we treat our fellow Christians. And how we treat... Now, here's the deal. It also... So we were talking specifically about the church... But this also applies with how you treat people in the world. It applies to your love walk. But specifically, how are you treating the church? How are you treating your physical body? Are you judging the decisions that you're making? And are you making godly choices? Well, glory to God. You want to bless the tithes and the offerings? Sure. If uh, Derek will come, I'll have Derek come tonight. And he's continuing to walk this out by faith. Thank you, Zach, for your dedication. I do appreciate it. We're just going to give him the opportunity to continue to push this through by faith. Glory to God. I he believe can do all, all things through Christ. I believe in the next it. week that walker will be gone by faith in Jesus' name. At this point, it's just there for added stability and, and security. Glory to God. Well, thank you, Jesus, if you want to bless the tithe and the offering. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word, and we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the sacrifice you gave for us, Lord. We don't, we don't take that sacrifice for granted, Lord, and we, and we, we, we judge ourselves when, when, we, when, when we go to take communion, Lord, and we judge ourselves on a daily, daily basis. basis. Daily, so that we can, so that we can Lord. walk in that health, and we can walk in that healing, and we can walk in the righteousness that you have commanded us to walk in, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord, and, the, and for the ability and uh, to gain forgiveness and, and remission of sins. Lord, we just thank you that you have done such a marvelous thing for us. We thank you, Lord, that you give us this opportunity to give unto your kingdom so that your work can be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. And, Lord, we ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we can ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth. And, Lord, we ask that, that you, you, you bless those that, that give unto your kingdom, that they can become a bigger blessing, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, and we, we, we honor you and we love you. And we thank you for being with us throughout the week. In Jesus' name. Glory, glory, glory. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for the seed sowed. We thank you for the increase. Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name. You keep your hands off the increase and everything that you've stolen, you return sevenfold. In Jesus' mighty name, and Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Amen, amen. and amen. Derek, you can serve the people. Glory to God. Well, thank you, Jesus.
Glory to God. I would say